podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This is about to be a cup of tea with John Gibbons and Natasha Dow. You're going to have that in a second or two. But John, you recorded it before. Uh, Natasha was confirmed as being the first ever women's uh, LFC ambassador. Yeah, so when we did the show, you know, she says on the show that she's she's on and on about what to do next. And, and that was genuinely the case. You know, it wasn't just the same one thing where there's when when something else is is definitely happening. You know, she was, you know, speaking to her on and off mic and, and we we've spoken to her a little bit, you know, we've recently just did various things and I know it was a tough decision for her in a way because she felt like she could have kept playing and she felt like she had you know, a few more goals in her, and and there was a, there was a few offers from um, you know places in Europe and, and things like that, and so I think it was um, a tough one for her because she she felt like she could have kept playing. It wasn't then one of them where she was like, I, I know I'm done. Yeah, you know, she she felt she could have got kept going. There was there, as I say, there was offers there from from clubs in Europe, but she just loves Liverpool. And hopefully that comes across in, in in the podcast. And if it doesn't, it's my fault <laughs> because uh, because I'm not got that out of it. She just loves Liverpool, and so when this offer came of of being Liverpool's first ever female ambassador, and you know what a thing to to, to be, and and I think she it was just too too good an offer to to turn down really. And so that ambassador role, you know, will be you know across the whole organization as well you know do yeah. some, she's going to be doing some stuff with the academy in terms of you know advisory you know with the, with the youngsters and sorts of things like that um and then obviously you know match day there's there's a lot of it around there and and, and she's doing more and more media stuff i'm seeing her popping up on stuff that that's great so but but yeah it, it's the, the offer she just she just couldn't turn down liverpool and i think you know we, we can all as as red sort of understand that really uh i know she's really made up i know she's been delighted to be doing it and i know they're going to make a big fuss of it at the liverpool everton game uh which is great so if people are looking to go to that then then look out for that the liverpool everton women's game that's at anfield um there's going to be a presentation to her to, to thank her apparently she's got 30 of her family coming Wow, uh, which I'm into. I don't think they're all coming on, but maybe they are. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I'd, I'd encourage you. <laughs> I might see if I can sneak on. Yeah, exactly. You won't notice an extra one, will we? I think I'm you've got down. 30, 31. <laughs> <laughs> uh, They'll be absolutely fine. Yeah. And we mooch on there. So that's why. Uh, we sometimes record bits and pieces and we do sit on them for a period of time. We've got our reasons, and one of our reasons is we wanted to have this to sit there as part of the run into the start of the WSL season. Liverpool play Arsenal this weekend uh, after this goes out. We've done our WSL season preview with Philippa and with Emma as well. That is available too but Liverpool play Arsenal it's away from home uh, on the FA player then there's back-to-back home games one being at Prenton Park and then the week after against Everton if you can make it down to the Everton game we really think that you should uh, look to do that that would be the absolute business uh, it'd be great to see loads and loads of people there uh, but anyway uh, let's take it away here's John and Tasha Dowie it is a cup of tea show. Uh, that is what the show is called. It's aptly named <laughs> for our guest today, who loves a cuppa uh, so much. Um, she has um, tattooed it on her arm. Um, it is Natasha Dowie, Liverpool legend. Thank you so much for coming in to see us today. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Really excited. So you've got a cup of tea there. Yes. But you, you rated it pretty well, I must say. Oh, the colour's perfect. The taste is good. Nice and hot. So very impressed. <laughs> <laughs> so pass the first test. Yes. We'll see how we we'll see how we got on uh, get on here. Um, I wanted to talk to you. It was funny when when you were 
when you, we very kindly agreed to come in and you said, oh, you know, send over some, some ideas of what we're going to talk about. And what it did, it, it sort of, <laughs> it ended up looking a bit, this is your life, so apologies for that. But I did want to start at the very beginning because I'm really interested in your first memories of football, your first memories of, of, of falling in love with the game. Yeah, I think I was really fortunate that football was within my family. So my uncle played professionally in the Premier League for West Ham, Southampton, played for Northern Ireland, and my dad played semi-pro. So I was the oldest, and it was me and my sister Chelsea. She was a bit more of a, a girly girl, so I was the tomboy. So yeah, I kind of got, I guess, almost dragged into it, but I loved it. And at the time when I was younger, there wasn't the opportunity for girls to play football within school. So my dad just got me and a couple of my friends from, from my town in Harpenden, and we just used to go for a kickabout on the local field. And actually from there, we set up, or my dad set up, Harpenden Colts. So that's where that kind of grew and I started playing for my local town team then. In school, I wasn't able to play. I have memories of playing at school with the boys and then I remember one in particular, we made the final of this tournament and then when they found out that I was a girl and I was playing, I wasn't able to then take part in it and just things like that was quite tough because I just wanted to play at school all the time and I wasn't allowed and that was the same at secondary school as well. So, yeah, when I was growing up, it was just really from that. And from there, I kind of got scouted then by Watford. Um, and kind of then my career progressed from there and started playing for the likes of Fulham and Charlton. And the story kind of continues from there. Yeah, absolutely. But good on your dad for setting yeah. up that team so you still to play with, you know, because we all need those moments, oh, don't we? When someone's, you know, whether it be a, a parent or a family member or just someone else is going to go, do you know what? I'm going to make this happen. If if, the, if you're not going to let the girls play in school, yeah. you know, if you're not going to do this, then, then we'll just sort of do it ourselves. Yeah, it sounds cliche, doesn't it? But I wouldn't be where I am if it wasn't for my mum and dad. And, you know, they sacrificed so much to allow me to play. And that's I, that's all I wanted to do. That's all I remember as a, as a kid is having a football in my hand. And even then when I was older and moved on to later on in my career signing for Everton, my dad would drive me three and a half hours up the motorway for me to be able to play football. And commitments like that, if he didn't do that for me, then maybe I wouldn't be where I am today. Do you remember realising you were good? <laughs> you know what? It's funny because I'm not someone that's short on confidence. But I always remember saying to my dad that I always thought there was better players than me when I was younger. And I remember certain players when playing for Harpenden and playing for Watford and my first couple of teams... I never thought I was the standout player. And my dad is always says I'm the best striker in the world. So he's probably, <laughs> he's probably the, the least, you know, you don't want to ask him what I was like. But he always said, Tash, you were by far the best player. You know, you'd score all the goals. Um, you know, you used to get scouted for England when you were like 13, 14. And that's how I first made my first England debut at 15 years old. So, yeah, I, I, don't, I didn't even think of it like that. I just wanted to play football all the time. Um, but I must have not been too bad. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, like you've said, though, the, the, the clubs start knocking and, and get asking you to, to come involved and get down. And how was that, you know, feeling of, you know, I'm sure you had to probably play for your, for your team and stuff like that, but put, putting on, like, you know, a kit of yeah. a professional team and stuff like that, that must have been quite a big moment. Yeah, I remember when I went then to Watford and playing for the first women's senior team. I was 15 years old and some of these women, you know, were like in their 30s. So that was quite a big jump. Um, and then also I remember when I first got my England debut, I remember I was at secondary school and my mum came running down the school field waving this letter going, Natasha, you've been called up to England. And it was just a bit of a surreal moment.
moment and to put on that England shirt as well. And I remember scoring on my debut in Ireland and my dad was there and, you know, I'm half Irish as well. A lot of my family from Belfast. So that was a really nice moment to be playing against Northern Ireland. Um, but yeah, it was, it was surreal. I got a great clip actually on my social media still of me wearing a West Ham kit because my uncle used to play for West Ham and it had Dowie number nine on the back. And I just remember putting the kit on and I was so excited. And I said, Ah, oh, like who's number who's who's number nine? Who's number nine? And Mum said, "You'll be a number nine one day, Tash. Like you'll be a footballer." And I just remember like being just so excited to put the kit on, and and then obviously I've been a number nine now for for Liverpool. <laughs> <laughs> what well, what are the the aspirations at, at, at that age? Then, so you're 15, you're breaking through. Um, I'm trying to think sort of where, where the game's at at that time, you know, but it's semi-professional at best, you know, so so people have got, you know, jobs and things yeah. like that. So it's funny because if you ask a lad, he's like, well, I'm just going to be a footballer. Yeah. <laughs> but for a 15-year-old girl, which you are at that point, yeah. even though you're playing women's yeah. football, it's not it's not the same. So you you haven't got the, <laughs> you know, I mean, for, for a 15-year-old lad, you're trying to tell him to, well, you need to keep going with your studies just in case, but you haven't even got a just in case at that point. It, no. it, it is it is having to combine both. Yeah, I, I don't think the thought of ever being a professional came into my head. You, like, when people ask me, what do you want to be? I would say a footballer, but that was never a possibility. So it was always a case of I just played for fun because I love playing. I didn't get paid. You know, the first time I, I ended up getting paid was when I signed for Everton, and that was, you know, when I was, was in my 20s. So, you know, for pretty much from 15, 15 onwards it was just playing because I love playing I remember when I signed for Fulham I used to catch the train from Harpenden all the way into London and then I used to have to meet my friend and I wouldn't get back home till gone midnight and you know you just did these things and it was hard balancing it with school I'm not going to lie my school did suffer towards the end I, I did okay in my GCSEs but then when it got into the A levels when I kind of then got a glimpse that I might be getting a scholarship to Loughborough because I was involved in England I did kind of, I'm not going to lie, I binned <laughs> off the education and I probably shouldn't be saying that, but probably my studying took second place. Um, but yes, yeah, still even then when I went to Loughborough on that scholarship, I still didn't think there'd be an opportunity to play football professionally. It just, you weren't getting paid. Um, so it was only really actually when Matt Beard contacted me and, and, you know, my first spell at Liverpool, I remember my first contract, I earned £9,000, you know, and that was like huge kind of money at like, what, 24 years old. So mm crazy really to think the way the game's gone now and the transfer windows for for female players yeah no yeah 100 <laughs> yeah. percent everton there let's let's jump a little bit to yeah. everton because that was a really good team you know i can i can uh you know make fun a little bit you know <laughs> sit here but it was it was a really good team you won the fa cup um it was it was it was a good side everton would have yeah. a real go at, at that point in the, in terms of the women's team you know yeah. attracting players like yourself mm-hmm. and, and others Farrah williams who ends up based sort of making the next move for you but it must be a fun period even like that because it was a oh, good side it was i remember when i just before i signed for everton i was playing at charlton and charlton were always the team that were kind of competing for second spot with everton i remember scoring a few goals against them and my partner Becky now, she'll skip me, but I remember scoring a few past her as well. And, you know, and then I remember talking to Mo and it was a big decision for me to sign for Everton because I live 15 minutes away from Boreham Wood where Arsenal trains and Vic Akers showed me around the training ground and said, look, we want you to come to Arsenal. And Arsenal at the time were winning everything, yeah. you know, 10 years in a row, the league. And then I ended up signing for Everton and people were like, what are you doing, Tash? Like, it's a three and a half hour, four hour <laughs> journey up the motorway. You know, they're not guaranteed to win the league like Arsenal are. But I always like to be the underdog. And I, I like that kind of wanting to knock Arsenal off their pedestal. So I ended up signing for Everton. Mo Marley was my manager at the time with the England under 19. So I knew her well. 
And to be honest, it's the best, best decision I've ever done in my career because I met my partner, you know, I won the FA Cup, we won the League Cup, was so close to winning the league, you know, lost out on, I think it was goal difference last game of the season against Arsenal at Widnes when we lost 1-0 to Arsenal. But them five years were really special years. And, and look, I'm a Liverpool fan. I love Liverpool, but I will always have fond memories of Everton and scoring that winner in the FA Cup final is definitely one of the highlights of my career. I mean, why not? Hey, yeah, you know, exactly. Absolutely. Because that's what you dream of as a kid. Yeah. You know, everyone's done the... Mm-hmm. It's a cliche, but it's cliche because it's true. Everyone's yeah. done the play in the, in the back, pretend it's the FA Cup final and you score yes. the winner, but, but you've done it in real life. Yeah, oh, that day, honestly, I still cry. Like, my dad still has it on the TV at home and it's like 12 <laughs> years, 13 years ago now and I just remember, you know, in in the 118th minute, Brooke Chaplin slipping the ball through, you know, Faye White's trying to recover and Emma Byrne comes out. I just remember dinking it over the keeper and jumping into the crowd, just hugging some random kid in the crowd. <laughs> and I, I honestly, it was the best day ever. I remember we didn't even shower. We had mud on our knees still. We got the coach straight back up to Everton. We all went out and had a great night. And yeah, it's, it's really, really fond memories because I think as well then football... Arsenal had a lot of investment. They were paying players. Mo Marley and what Keith did at Everton, you know, voluntary for most of the time. And to win something for her, I think, was special because, you know, she kind of started Everton, played for Everton, played for England, but had had done it for, for nothing for so long. So I think for us to kind of even be competing with the likes of Arsenal was was we were we were overachieving, to be honest. So that was really nice. So obviously it would have took you a lot to to sort of leave that, but Liverpool come in and um, up to that point, Liverpool, you know, hadn't, hadn't been taking it seriously as, as what Everton had. That, that, that's clear from from the results. But um, new ownership, um, new sort of direction, and, and this idea of no, this club needs a stronger women's team. And you, as well as Fanny Williams, who was there at the same time, sort of make the journey over. So, so how did that come about, and how much of a I guess a difficult yet easy decision is—is mm-hmm. is, is it because you know you mentioned being a Liverpool fan, but you know you you, you settled in Everton, you've, you've you've got that sort of good side there. Liverpool must have had to do some persuading to 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 get you to go. So how did they do that? Yeah, absolutely. I think the season I left um, left Everton, it was a tough season. We finished third in the league. Mo Marley actually left, so Andy Spence was going to take over, and I think. That, that wasn't the reason why I left, but that did have a big kind of pull for me because Mo was someone that I respected so much and that's why I went to Everton really mm. was because of her. Then Matt Beard rang me and I'd worked under Beardy at Charlton. He was the assistant to Keith Bonas when I was there and I had a great year under him with Keith. Um, and, you know, Beardy, he can talk the talk, you know, and he's, he's, <laughs> he's very persuasive. And it, when he was telling me about the plans, bringing international players over, which had never happened in the English league, you know, talking about bringing Swedish players, German players, you know, um, who else did we have? We had um, we had so many. God, I can't, can't even remember off the top of my head now. But and then I just thought that just excites me so much. And they said we're going to be training full time, five nights a week. Again, like at Everton, we were training twice a week. So for me, it was a no-brainer. And then when he said, you know, we want to bring the likes of you, Farah, talking about Gemma Bonner from Chelsea, um, obviously my partner now, Becky, came over as well. I just thought, you know, it's got to happen. Yeah, I was so excited. And it was the best thing I've ever done. And everything that, that Matt promised in the call happened, and, and that's what good leaders do, don't they? Yeah. You know, the, there's the there's the song now Jürgen said to me, you know, and, yeah. and it's, it's a bit beardy said to you, we'll, we'll, we'll win the Super League. Yeah. And, and and that's what happened, and and not just one, but sort of back-to-back. You know, we'll talk about that that, that first year. Um, 
you know, it's it's a you know, I was I was having a look at the teams before. It's such a good side, you know. There's, I mean, there's there's one player who's going to be playing in the World Cup final yeah. at the weekend. Of, you know, he's 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 had such an elite career, but you know, it it, it was a really good team, wasn't oh. it? That we got to watch. It, and do you know what? It wasn't even just that the people they were so special. And I always say, look, I've been very fortunate to play in six different countries for like fourteen clubs. So I played for a lot of teams and met a lot of people, but. That first year at Liverpool will never, ever be topped anywhere because it was something special, you know, to bring a group of players together. And like I said, from Iceland, capturing, you know, from Germany, Nikki and Coco, you know, Amanda and Whitney from USA, Lolo, you know, all this from Sweden, all these different nationalities to just be able to click. You've got to give credit to Beardy for that, but also credit to the girls because to just do that within the first year when Arsenal had dominated for so long, Chelsea, you know, had had invested a lot of money and we smashed it it's not like we just kind of crew like just like one by one point two points we absolutely killed that season you know yeah. we were scoring four or five goals a game yeah and it was it was just the most fun I've ever had in my football career and obviously I, I it's, it was more fun for me because I was scoring goals I got your top scorer yeah year, top goal scorer obviously got PFA player of the year so it was a successful year for myself as well which always makes football more fun <laughs> but yeah even now we keep in touch with them which is great and Gemma Bonner is still a very good friend of mine and I still um, Nikki came to my wedding and you know we all still talk and we're actually trying to get a reunion together Amazing. this year and it's just it's just great it really is I have very very fond memories yeah, no, that'd be fantastic if you if you also got to meet meet up again, especially as people are presumably dusted yeah, around well, the world. Yeah, you look at it, Amanda DeCosta, she's had a baby now. Catherine's had a baby. Nikki's pregnant. It's just it's amazing to see like their lives, and obviously social media is great like that because you can follow them and keep in touch. But no, that's definitely on the bucket list is to get everyone back and maybe back in Liverpool. <laughs> um, it's. It was, it was it was that was the time actually when I when I sort of got first introduced to live women's football. I turned turn on sort of games on the telly, but my dad used to go down and he said, Could you, you wanna come watch this team, you know, the 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 going for it. And so we I used to go down to witness and real special memories really, because the, the crowds aren't as big as what they are now, but they used to make a racket, those those few hundred where and then end up sort of being about a thousand, I think was um, you know, used to make it a real lot of noise, and you know, I'm sure the artificial pitch wasn't always the best to play on. But then the opposition didn't like it yeah. much either, and you guys were a bit more used to it because you train on it and stuff like that. And so it was, you know, it was it was a bit of a fortress witness for the team, and, and the crowd certainly out with that. Yeah, it was. Yeah, I don't think there was any team that liked coming to witness to play. And look, it it wasn't ideal, but back then, you know, you played where you played, and, and we just loved playing. And yeah, the fans in particular. I remember Steve, and he still goes to the games now. And it was brilliant. They all had a song for every single yeah. player, and even now they do. And even when I go to the games now and watch the girls play at Prenton, if they see me in the stands, they'll start singing my song. And it means a lot. It really does because nowhere else in the world is like that. I mean, we know what it's like to play for Liverpool. We know the fan base and how much it's basically life to them. But, you know, them fans, I'll never forget them. We've got pictures now. And there was, there's probably about 20, 20 to 50, you know, at games. But I tell you what, everywhere we went, you could hear them. And it's great now to see, you know, you go to Prenton and it, and it's a pretty full kind of stand. And, yeah. and that's what we want to see. I think it's brilliant that the fan base is growing and growing. To jump back to the, 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 the time at Liverpool, then the second year, you, you say the first year that um, Liverpool, you know, run away with it. The second year is, <laughs> I was going to say, a bit more nervy, a yeah. lot more nervy. What was that last day of the season like? Because um, Liverpool, 
you know, it was odds against, wasn't it? You know, we needed to win and we needed all the results to go our way. So it was, you know, it was one of those where you're thinking, well, yeah, it might, it might happen, but, you know, it's 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 also probably not. Manchester United, funny enough, had a similar situation. Yeah. This year they came to Anfield, to Anfield, Brenton, and um, and, and needed, needed, got their win, but, 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 but Chelsea won because that's what champions do. And, and, and so... You know that that's how it usually happens, but for you guys, Ben ends up being the only team winning yeah. and, and doing it. That must have been a crazy day. It was. I don't really think any of us thought we had a chance. We wanted to go into the game. We wanted to win, but I think, look, we did. We expect City to beat Chelsea, no, and especially because they'd actually rested a couple of their key players on the day as well, which we were all fuming about because we thought <laughs> they were throwing the game away. And then obviously Birmingham, then. Karen Carney missed a penalty late on in the game. And I remember it happening. I remember we went 3-0 up, which is what we had to win by. And I remember Gemma Bonner saying to Beardy, like, what's happening? Do we need to go for more? You know, like, should we defend a bit more? Should we attack a bit more? And it was just so surreal. I remember the whistle blowing and we were just waiting. I remember in the middle of the circle, I'm not even that religious, but I was praying just like, please, please <laughs> let us win this. And then the crowd started celebrating, but I think it was a bit too soon because the Birmingham game was still being played. And we were all just like, what is happening? And then all of a sudden you just see Beardy just jump up and start celebrating. And everyone was crying. And it was, and I, I don't even think the trophy, I think they had to drive the trophy down the M- M6 or M62, whatever it was, to because it was over with Chelsea because they thought they were going to win it. Yeah. But I just remember us having our trophies and we just went to a local Nando's after because <laughs> I think we had Champions League a couple of days after. Right. But, you know, again, just to do it back to back, you know, not many teams can say they've done that. And, uh, yeah, again, it's a very proud moment. Yeah, and and with Liverpool as well, which is my team. Yeah, 100%. Um, I think you do another year and then, and then sort of decide you know, to move on. Again, how, how difficult a decision was that because... Um, the, the the third season's trickier. Uh, a lot of injuries on the pitch and things like that. But but also other teams had, had had made great strides as well. And so, are you looking at that and thinking, well, look, I've, I've always wanted to play for Liverpool. I've done it. You know, I, I've won back to back league titles. I've played the Champions League. Uh, you mentioned before. Uh, is it a case of starting to look at that and thinking, well, well, maybe what's the next challenge after this? Yeah, absolutely. And I think it was a similar situation to where Everton is that I went to Liverpool mainly because of Beardy and you know what he said he had to offer. And then when he had the opportunity to go to America and he was leaving Liverpool, it's not I didn't leave Liverpool mainly because of that. But there was a lot of things going on behind the scenes and it was a tough year on the pitch. You know, the team didn't do as well. And I didn't look, I would love to have stayed at Liverpool, but you know, Beardy having left, um, you know, certain things happened with regards to my partner not getting offered a contract. So there was a few things that kind of just didn't sit right with me. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't easy to leave, but I made that decision. Um, and do you know what? If, if it meant that I would never play for Liverpool again, I still felt good that, you know, I've, I've won the league back to back, you know, something that I'd never dreamt of. Um, so I would always have fond memories. Um, and then obviously I ended up going and following Beardy to America. So it, <laughs> it kind of, it worked out well in the end, I think. <laughs> you, well, no, no, absolutely. And you did get to play for Liverpool again. But yes. we'll, 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 we'll get to that because I want to talk about this then world tour yeah. uh, that you go on because you, um, you, I mean, you did some miles. Yeah, oh, it's been brilliant. I never thought that it would happen the way it did. You know, I, I, and to be honest, even the thought of going and playing abroad never really crossed my mind. But I was in and out of the England squad. 
Uh, and I thought, I can't just keep staying in England hoping that I'll play for England more regularly. And when Beardy called me and said, look, why don't you fancy coming to Boston Breakers to play over in America? You know, you watch Bend It Like Beckham and you think it's the league you want to play in. Yeah, of course. So I, I made the move and my partner Becky came with me and that was really important for me, for her to be with me. I don't think I would have done it otherwise. So for kind of for her to put her career on hold and to support me was really key. And I had two great years over there. Look, the football was tough. Um, living in Boston was incredible. The lifestyle was great. The football, it was ruthless. It was different to what I was used to. Very athletic, very end-to-end and transitional. Not the type of probably the style that suits me. But again, something that I think every player wants to be able to say I've played in America and, and at the time the best league in the world to play against the likes of Martyrs and, and Europeanos and you know some of the world names in women's football. Um, so yeah, from there, I, I, I kind of... Then got the opportunity to go and play in um, Australia as well, which I had six really good years over there at Melbourne Victory. Captain the club. It's my second home. You know, It's a great city. Oh, it's unbelievable. It really is. Me and me and Becky were even thinking of moving over there full time um, to like live permanently, but it is a bit of a trek. So, <laughs> but no, and, and look, if you think now, I played in Sweden, played in Norway, played for AC Milan in Italy. And, and, it, was, and it wasn't a case of, I just wanted to travel for the sake of traveling. I always felt as if I wanted to push myself and be out of my comfort zone more. So, look, my choice to leave America was because the club folded, you know, so I didn't have a team, so I had to leave. Mm. That obviously then pushed me to go to Sweden where I played for Linköping, which was an incredible experience, played Champions League again against Man City. Lovely city, but felt as if... I was in my comfort zone a little bit there and that I could push myself a bit more. Um, so then I went to play in Norway for Valerenga. Again, living in Oslo, amazing, you know, the lifestyle there. But again, still didn't feel as if I was really pushing myself. And then the opportunity to go and play for AC Milan, you know, that to me was a no-brainer. A huge club, uh, had great aspirations. I made history there. We finished second in the league behind Juventus, uh, got into Champions League for the first time ever. And probably actually was one of the most challenging years of my football career because of COVID, the language barrier was yeah. crazy. You know, in Norway and Sweden, they can speak English, but in, in Italy, my manager didn't speak a word of, um, of English. So I tried to learn a bit of Italian, which really didn't go down too well. <laughs> it was pretty much ciao, come stai, and that was it. So for a year... It was quite a lonely place. And for Becky as well, you know, COVID, being in the apartment, you know, she couldn't, didn't really have anyone to speak to. So that was tough. So I was meant to stay there for two years, but actually decided to leave after the first year and just to come home and mm. then went to Reading. Yeah. Yeah. And I think for me, Reading was a case of, it was a bad case of I wanted to come back to England and look was Reading my choice? Like, look, let's it didn't get me too excited. However, to be back in the English league, to see the way the league had developed over the last seven, eight years, I think that was more why I wanted to come back. Um, and look, it was a challenging couple of years at Reading. I'm not going to lie and say that I loved my football there. But if we obviously continue and see where then my career goes next, I think it was a, a good move in the end. <laughs> Just to touch a little bit more about those footballing experiences, do you think they made you a better player? Because... You know, you mentioned there that oh, in America the style of football wasn't, you know, sort of quite to your liking. But I, I guess 
though then you have to sort of develop and, and, and get new aspects to your game to to adapt to what's going on you know you can't just keep yeah. doing what you were doing at, at Liverpool if you're not getting those balls or, or, or whatever whatever it is and I guess similar you know when you go to you know all the countries that you played in have, have sort of slightly different styles and having to adapt your game in those ways do you think it, it made you a better all-round footballer? 100% I think that's why I wanted to come back to England to show that so when I played in America all the strikers were runners in behind absolutely rapid that's just not my game you know and I was a striker that liked to hold the ball up and I like to kind of bring players into play and then get into the box so yeah you're completely right when I played in the likes of Australia it was a bit more of a technical game Sweden and Norway a bit more tactical so and the language barrier then being at AC Milan and having to play football but not being able to speak to your teammates all of these things were were really challenging but I love that I love being out of my comfort zone and I always felt as if I played my best football when I was out of my comfort zone a bit yeah no well you, you certainly did a lot of that but then you come back you mentioned Reading it doesn't quite sort of yeah. work out but the, the call does come yeah. bit beardy again yeah uh, the smooth talker <laughs> yeah. uh, a little bit of job up here in Liverpool if you fancy it it must have been so you know quite oh. surreal it was it was surreal and I remember the first year after Reading um, I was maybe looking to move but I stayed and then come the January transfer window I wasn't very happy you know I was in and out of the team I just thought, look, I'm 34 years old. I want to be enjoying my football. I want to have that hunger and excitement again, which I didn't have at Reading. And I sat down with Kelly Chambers and I said, look, I would like to go out on loan or I would like to get a move. And to be fair to her, she she actually said, look, Beardy and Liverpool have shown interest. Would you like to go? And I'm like, absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) That's what what I was talking about. What kind of a question is this? (laughs) So, no, I think for the first two weeks... I had the biggest smile on my face. I, I was like a little kid in a candy store. I remember when I came up and went to Prenton, I oh, sorry, to the training ground actually over in Tranmere and seeing Beardy, gave him a big hug, saw all the staff that I remember, some of them like Heather that I remembered from, you know, 10, 12 years ago when I was here first time. All the players, you know, familiar, uh, familiar faces, Rachel Laws when we won the league together, Bonner's one of my best friends still. And it just felt great. And I just literally, my love for football came back. And I think that, massively is to do with the team I'm playing for you know as soon as I put on the kit and I and I put on the training kit it, you just feel like a two-year-old kid again when you first started playing and then to have my debut and again in front of all the fans and hear them singing my song it was just a goosebumps again on my body yeah it's brilliant it must feel like you know when you get that second opportunity you're like I'm going to savour the things I almost forgot to in the first time I mean you had leagues to win fair enough do you know what I mean <laughs> you, you were busy you were like yeah I was just winning player of the year and stuff like that but like you know sometimes when we have these incredible experiences in our lives and then afterwards you're like oh I just wish I'd have like maybe savoured those moments yeah. more or thought about this things more or you know not get not got as stressed out about that but yeah. you you almost got that second chance really to yeah. to say you know I'm just gonna as I say you know you know next time the, the, the crowd is singing my name I'm just gonna re- remember how that felt and it was and I think because it was such a different setting you know when I first played for Liverpool we were fighting for the title pretty much every year and then this time unfortunately we were at the wrong end of the table Mm. when I came in in January and it's more a case of that mindset of I want to make sure the club stays in the league and I want to help the club as much as I can and I didn't even know if I'd get much game time you know Katie Stengel was playing well you know I didn't expect to come in and play as much as I probably did Um, but you know I just wanted to work hard and, and I think that's why I enjoyed it even more because I could like you said 
taking the crowd a bit more, just, you know, the simple things, just being home again. You know, I've had my house in Liverpool for over 12 years now, but I've lived in it probably for about one year. I want to so, about the pants. <laughs> yeah, it's, oh, we used to come home and there'd be trees across the garden, everything, yeah. The neighbours snarling, you like, yeah. know, look after the garden. I know, but even to be in our home, it just was really special, yeah, and I think them six months, regardless of them what was going to happen after this period, I loved every single minute and obviously to finish the season the way that we did, you know, safety, very, very safe in the end yeah, and to score yeah. a couple of goals as well, which was nice to get a record. All those things were brilliant. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so you, your contract expires, you know, in the summer. It's, it's, a, it's a short-term situation and it leaves you with a bit of a decision now on, on, on what to do next, I guess. I mean, you've been busy is, yes. is what I would say. You know, we're recording this. I'm not quite sure when it's going to go up, but we're recording this just during the World Cup. So England have qualified uh, for the final. Uh, you will know the results. Uh, we don't, uh, but it's against, against Spain at the weekend. You've been doing a lot of media work, podcasts and stuff like that, which I know you've really enjoyed. Um, but... I know you've been doing some coaching and stuff like that in the academy that you really enjoy and doing lots of stuff at Liverpool, which is sort of good fun. But I don't know, I feel like there's a couple more goals in them <laughs> than them, them shoes as well. So oh. it's it's a difficult one, yeah. isn't it, when you're, when you're so talented at so many things. <laughs> oh, thank you very much. No, and you know what? I've been really relaxed this summer. I thought I'd be a lot more stressed because it is a big decision. Yeah. But I've actually just taken the time. I've had people ask me what's next for me. And I've just taken this summer to say, look, I'm not making any decisions. You know, I've had some offers to continue to play abroad, um, which are very exciting offers, but and also some offers off field. So I think for me, it's just a case of over these next probably two to three weeks, um, I'll just be sitting down, weighing up the pros and cons. You know, football's my life. It always has been. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm in no rush to make a decision. But it's great that I've got opportunities on the pitch and off the pitch. And um, yeah, watch this space, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> it must be tough though on the on the football side because, like you say, you you do the media stuff and, and do really well on that. There's the coaching that you obviously enjoy and, and and you know probably sort of other things as well. But I guess you know in the back or even in the front of your mind, it's like well, once you stop that that sort of it yeah, really. No, it you, is. You can't you can't have a, it's not like a yeah. career break. You go, yeah. I'll go back in five years, have another go. No, yeah, you're spot on, and I think that. That's where I'm going to make sure I take the time to make the right decision. I think you know in yourself as well, you can feel it whether it's the right time or not. But yeah, I, I feel like I'm in a really good place. And, and when that decision's made, it'll be 100% the right decision. And I'm sure I'll have something else then very exciting to look forward to. But the media stuff you are doing so well. I mean, oh, you know, anyone can do a you. podcast, can't yeah. <laughs> you know, as we prove. But um, but no, but you are doing really well. You seem to be really enjoying that, and your personality comes across really well in all the the, the shows. But obviously, you, you've experience and you know intelligence as well. And you know, do, doing these shows you've been doing regularly in in the World Cup, you know, must have given you a bit of a taste for it. And thought, yeah, yeah I'd love to do more of that. No, absolutely. And I've been lucky enough to do it for the last couple of years, and and especially at Liverpool this past year to be able to work for LFC TV and. I remember saying to Steve Hunter, he has the coolest job in the world because you'd walk up the roof of Anfield and you'd see them singing You'll Never Walk Alone and you almost want to pinch yourself. You're yeah. like, how? how is this kind of like how am I getting paid firstly to do this? I'd do it for free. <laughs> Don't tell them I said that. But, you know, it's just incredible. And, yeah, I love doing that. I'm a, look, I got my A licence, so I am a coach and I love watching the game as a player and a coach perspective. But I think it's great to see more females and and more faces on the TV now doing the kind of punditry and co-coms and and it definitely is something when I do hang out my boots whenever that is is, is something that I'm passionate to do and want to get more involved in for sure yeah as I say the coach the, the taste a little bit for the, for the for the coaching and stuff is that something that 
you know, has maybe surprised you a little bit or, or whether you would say, well, we'll wait and see because it isn't for everyone. Is yeah. it some players, you know, do it and love it. Others do it and go like, oh no, you know, I, I just want to go, well, give it here and I'll yeah, show you. Do you yeah. know what I mean? It's a, it's a difficult one, but, but you've, you've been, I guess, more the former. Yeah, no, I really enjoy the coaching side of things. And Alex Inglethorpe has been brilliant with me. He's the head of the academy um, at Liverpool. And he's, he actually um, has allowed me to get involved with the under-18s at pre-season as almost like a mentor. So Jay Spearing does a similar role. So go in, talk to the players. I can get involved in some of the training and, and almost like mentor them, which has been an incredible eye-opener for me. And I think if that is something that... That I do in the future that's the kind of role that I think I'd really enjoy doing also and, and potentially I could do it within the women's game as well but yeah I, I think I love football too much to walk away from it and mm. you know I'm, you can ask my partner Becca I'm always asking her to have a kick about with me so to get the boots on <laughs> and to be on the grass is something that I always want to do you know even when I'm 80 years old <laughs> so have the boys been with you in the summer yeah. then all right if they, have they they've been, been with you brilliant you know I remember my first session it made me laugh so Alex introduced me and you know they're 18 year old lads some of these and you you know, they're looking at me and probably as a female thinking, does she play? Can she play? And they said, look, she plays for Liverpool, has played for England. But still, you can see they're a bit sceptic. So he gets me involved in the first session. And one of the boys goes to try and tackle me. I chop him inside and do a reverse pass. And literally 22 lads' eyebrows just lifted. And then I had their respect. So, yeah, I was sorted after the first session. Yeah, so, so, so they, they were definitely listening yeah. to you after that. Oh, brilliant. But... You know, it's it's interesting hearing all, all the different ways that you are still involved in the club, and there's not just 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 the coaching, but you know, also you like you say there's the co-coms, um, and you do some stuff around, you know, other stuff around match day as well, and you know that's obviously because the club feel like you've got a lot to offer, which is which is great in lots of different ways, but also it must be really nice for you to to feel like moving forward that I guess you'll always be part of the club that you love because like you say you're a Liverpool fan first and foremost yeah. and you've been a Liverpool player and it sounds like you know they've seen something in, in you as a as a coach but also you know your sort of personality on the other stuff and uh, and want to sort of keep you involved which yeah. which must be a great feeling I think this is where this club is just different to anywhere else and look I'm an adopted scouser I'm from London so you know for the club to and for the I fell in love with the city. I fell in love with the people. I met my partner here. You know, everything here is my life now. And I think that I went away for, you know, eight years. And then as soon as I come back, it's almost like those eight years didn't exist. Yeah. It's like I was just straight back in the family. The same people were welcoming me. And, you know, Susan Black's been a big part of that as well. You know, she's a real advocate for getting more female faces involved. And and to be given those opportunities is so special because I tell you what, it doesn't happen anywhere else. I'd be very surprised if it does. And I think that they're so adamant on getting former players. And even Alex at the academy, you know, Mac Manaman comes down, Rob Jones is down there. They're so passionate on having those players staying involved in the club. And for the young academy boys to have those type of players and role models to be able to talk to. And, and yeah, I just think the club's special. It really is. And they don't need to do that. So to, and other people say, look, you've, you've deserved it, Tash. You've earned the right. You know, you've worked hard to get these opportunities. But also you need to have the people that want to give you those opportunities. It, you know, and so I think that's where I'm really thankful for the club because, you know, to just be a part of it and to stay involved in it is it's just brilliant. It's like the dream, dream job, really. <laughs> <laughs> well, dream job, dream career, yeah. and, and absolutely. And, and we'll sort of see what's next. But before you go, I will ask you a little bit about what you think about next season for Liverpool women because... 
last year was about survival, really, or, or consolidation, or, or or just you know analyzing the, the the squad first season back. And I think you know everyone would agree that you know it was it, it should be deemed overall a success. But but next year we obviously want to do a little bit better. You want to be looking up the table rather than down. Are you confident from being around the squad, from knowing the talent there, from from knowing Matt, from knowing people like Susan who are involved as well, and uh, and Russ who, who's who, who's lead? And you know, are you confident that Liverpool can kick on? Because you know it's one thing wanting to, but yeah. everyone else wants it yeah. a, a, as well. And so you know, from what you've seen of, of as I say, the talents in the squad and, and the focus off the pitch, are you confident that we can kick on next year? Yeah, and I've been speaking a lot to the players within the camp at the moment. I say, what's the vibes like? You know, how's things looking? Are you confident? And they've been so positive with the new players that have come in as well. They, they've said they're bedded in really quickly. You know, it's really competitive. And I think if you look at the players that brought in Fisk, you know, I think she's a centre half that has played in the league for a long time and I think she adds um, a real quality in that back line I've heard that the Aust- I think it's the Austrian midfield player I've mm. heard she's a real talent I, I don't really know her haven't heard of her but Beardy's- yeah someone said to me yeah. yesterday wait till you watch her yeah. wait till you watch and Beardy's good at that he's kind of good at finding those little ones there's talents that no one's heard of so that's exciting obviously we're hoping that Katie Stengel has another good year you know she was in good form last season she's going to be key and bringing in the likes of Tash Flint who's kind of been in and out of the league and the young girl um, from I think it's Sheffield United the 18 year old so he's brought a mixture of kind of experience and youth but I think then he's kept a good core of the squad from last year together which I think is important as well you don't want to mix it too much every year because then it takes time to kind of embed but I think it's going to be interesting to see how their pre-season goes they're going away playing against some tough teams so I think that will kind of give you a bit of an idea of where they're at Neves obviously come back from a World Cup and that had a great experience and played really well in that tournament and Shanice and hopefully the likes of Leanne Keenan can get herself fit again and have a good season. So, look, going to Melwood, I think, is massive as well. You know, the training ground, all of those little one percenters will have a knock-on effect when it comes to game day. And being in a more of a more of a professional environment and having that more kind of Liverpool feel around you, um, I'm really excited, you know, and I'll be following them. I'll be at every game as much as I can um, and supporting them like I always will. We'll see you there with your little boy. Yes, <laughs> And we'll sort of look for it. Thanks so much for coming in. It's been a really sort of lovely. Uh, how long have we done? Thirty-seven minutes. Oh, um, talk longer. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's been it's been fantastic to, to to relive those moments sort of with you. So thanks a lot for sort of sharing them. And whatever you decide next, I'm sure you'll be wonderful. Oh. Um, so thanks very much and appreciate your time. Thank you. Cheers, guys. Sports Social Podcast Network.